Hi there. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. I'm Elizabeth Richard. And I'm Sebastian Richard. And so we are doing part two of Unmasking the Spirit of Jezebel. For those of you that haven't listened to the first part, uh, we did a powerful broadcast uh, where we really describe how to identify or how to uh, know if you're dealing with the spirit of Jezebel in your own life, maybe through uh, somebody, a close member in your family, or maybe somebody in your church. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that broadcast. If you think that um, this is something that maybe you're dealing with, maybe it's a close member in your family and you've already started to identify it, but you just want to be sure, go back and listen to that. And uh, now we're going to do a powerful um, teaching on um, the part two on understanding, you know, why is Jezebel so hard to cast out? We're also going to do um, prayers of deliverance that you can repeat with us at the end of this broadcast. So if you need deliverance, if you want to make sure that you don't have, uh, if you don't ha that you don't have this spirit and you want to get rid of it, uh, you can pray this prayer with us. Um, as I mentioned at the end of the first broadcast last time, I encourage you to fast. Yes. It's always a really good idea. Uh, to fast for this type of, of entity, this type of spirit is a kind of stubborn. Um, and it's just um, it's just more powerful if you fast mm -hmm. when you do say the prayer. So if you haven't done that because you just fell on this broadcast, I encourage you to, to listen to both parts. And, you know, maybe you want to fast for a day or two. Uh, it's up to you with a you know, you can do fruits and vegetables. You can do just water and um, and then come back and say that prayer. Yeah, um, it's going to have an even greater impact. Absolutely. So uh, I hope you, you guys uh, are ready for this part, two because there's a lot of stuff to go through. I know I gave a lot of material in the first part, uh, but I, I did give a heads up to the listeners last week that part two is even more there's even more stuff so <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna dig right into it uh in this part two of unmasking the spirit of jezebel you're definitely going to be very not knowledgeable you're, after gonna this. Know, you're gonna know quite a bit of, uh, about jezebel after these two parts for sure so mentioned last week that that passage in revelation chapter 2 verses 20 to 23 where jesus christ himself is talking to the church and uh, tiathera uh, i don't know how to pronounce it but i hope i have it good anyway and and he's giving that church saying basically here's what i what i like that you're doing blah 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 but here's what i have against you i have this against you you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophet and uh, and we understand that from from that passage, there, there might have been a woman in that church calling herself Jezebel. But we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is pinpointing the spirit behind it, the spirit that's acting uh, in that woman or in these women, plural, maybe uh, uh, that the, the church has tolerated these women that are uh, causing havoc in the church. And he's not blaming, see, he is going to issue, he issues a judgment against the woman, but he's blaming the church for tolerating. And we're going to deep dive deep into this today. So Because God, God did give us the authority to trample over these entities. Yes. We do have the authority when Jesus mm -hmm. died on the cross for our sins, he gave us back that authority. So through the power of uh, the blood of Jesus, we are able to get rid of these entities. So there's no reason to tolerate them in the church. And you'll see how it gets kind of sticky. It's sticky, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very <laughs> sticky. Uh, and Liz, you mentioned earlier that this is one of those uh, stronger demonic entities, uh, harder to cast out. A lot of deliverance ministers I've listened to uh, throughout the, the years, they've all testified. And we've had one experience where we uh, we cast out this spirit, but it was we had fasting involved. Mm -hmm. um, but these deliverance ministers, they all say it, that that's one of the stubborn ones. Uh, it's one of the, I guess, the higher... Uh, more powerful demonic entities uh, and more stubborn. So four reasons the spirit of Jezebel is hard to cast out. We're going to go through that right now. Number one, well, number one, it cannot be tolerated. It must be confronted. And most of us Christians don't really like confrontation. I mean, <laughs> you know, and the, the, the thing is that the spirit acts through a person. So it's very delicate. Now, you don't go to just to a person who's offending you or who's attacking you and say, Jezebel, I cast you out. But you still need to confront the spirit behind the person. So there's a way to do it. And it's it's always it's not something that, that most believers are adept at or comfortable with. Yeah. And when I say sticky, this is what I mean, is that it's not like, you know, a long time ago where when we used to talk about that as an expression, you know, she's a Jezebel or. Uh, she acts like a Jezebel. We always pictured somebody that was kind of trampish, like, you yeah. know, very slutty. Sorry, my language. But, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, would, loose woman, would loose dress woman. in a yeah. certain way and tries to get the attention of men and, and prances around the church and this and that and just is there for attention. But right? that's just one aspect and, of Jezebel. And you've seen her at work. You've seen her, you know in various different places. I'm sure when I say that you have names, you have pictures of people that pop in your head, but um, the, 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 the less identifiable, identifiable way that we, that we discovered that she operates a lot is um, through people in the church that, you know, you wouldn't suspect you wouldn't necessarily um, I mean, they dress nicely, they they present themselves properly, even a lot of them look, um, you know, very uh, church lady kind of, uh, you know, attire. They, they carry their Bible um, under their arm everywhere they go. Exactly. You know, some of some of them um, are fat. Most of the time she's um, operating through a close member of your family uh, because she's after your prophetic anointing. She wants to make sure that you don't get to towards your purpose. So if you are a prophetic person, you have that prof uh, prophetic anointing. She senses it even before, like I had it, uh, experienced it and I didn't even know I was dealing with it. And I didn't even know I was a prophetic person. So I had no clue about mm -hmm. anointings, had no clue what you know, uh, to me, it was the Holy Spirit working and speaking through me. Um, and it was, you know, a personal thing between me and God. So I didn't even know that demonic entities could even sense that. I didn't know that they could target you in that way. And um, and so that that entity um, started moving um, and and I had no clue. So we talked about that in the first broadcast. We went into detail about that. But it's just to, just so that you're aware that when we say you have to control, like you have to confront, uh, confront her, it, oftentimes it's it's sticky and delicate because you've you've sensed it, you've sized it, and oftentimes it's through a very close person in the family or in the ministry or in the ministry, and it's kind of thing that um, you know the person yeah. might. Uh, you know, do crocodile tears might make you feel like you're the worst person in the world to be confronting her, um, you know, and, and put this whole show. 
But in reality, it's the spirit working through that person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes, like I said, that person is kind of naive, doesn't really know that, um, you know, they have this thing working through them. So they just feel a certain way and feel melodramatic or feel like they need to control or feel feel that they're unloved or unwanted or whatever. But it's that spirit working through them, yeah, and they're just manifesting. A, they're just a tool. They don't know it. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's another thing. So as you listen to this broadcast and the first one that we did last week, uh, you might, uh, for some of you, some of you might be like, okay, I know I know a person, or yeah, you are, or you might see, man, I'm struggling with this. I I I'm seeing stuff that I've been doing. So maybe you uh, might uh, need deliverance from that evil spirit. So, like I said, leaders. Even the, like the, the, the Christian leaders, we dislike confrontation. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody wants to fight. I mean, you know, some, some of them do. <laughs> some people, some people want to fight. But uh, most people in ministry that I've known, uh, they don't like confrontation. They do it because they have to, because there's a discipline that needs to be uh, kept in the church. There's a way to do things that needs to be done in the church. And uh, sometimes it's absolutely necessary. But it's not something that's enjoyable for most leaders. So mm -hmm. the Jezebelic spirit uses this against them. The fact that they don't want to confront. So they're going to kind of like play the game in such a way that uh, the leader will, will feel very bad about confronting the, the, the person with the Jezebel spirit. Mm -hmm. See, Elijah confronted uh, Jezebel and John the Baptist confronted Herodias and Herod, who were having an affair. He, he was very uh, vocal about it, very public about it. And it was said that uh, John the Baptist... Uh, Jesus said that he, he was Elijah. He basically was carrying the spirit of Elijah upon him and his ministry. So that, that shows uh, something there. And we're going to talk about the spirit of Elijah upon the church in these last days. It is coming back and it's very powerful, but uh, we're not there yet. So number one, it cannot be tolerated. It must be confronted. So that's one of the reasons why it's hard to cast out. Number two, I believe that this particular spirit is one who comes out through prayer, obviously, deliverance, a session of deliverance, but also fasting. And that's something that is not um, 100%. And here's what I'm saying. Some ministers have, have casted out without having fasted, but it's a sticky and stubborn spirit. And I believe that it comes out way easier once you fasted. And as we know, fasting is a discipline that not everybody engages in. So it can be, it can make it harder to get to, to loose out and, and Take, get get out. Yeah. So that's something that uh, is not um, uh, a common knowledge, I guess you could say. We, Elizabeth and I, have been privy uh, to uh, the spirit of Jezebel being cast out after we fasted. Mm -hmm. There was a loved one in our in our family uh, who uh, got delivered from the spirit of Jezebel after we had fasted, and uh, it, it, it 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 it's it kind of surprised us i remember because we were praying for all kinds of oppression on the people we loved but we didn't expect this to happen and when the person told us uh, a day or two later uh what had happened they actually saw the demon the demon was a female and it was cussing and it was liz you know you you remember more uh what what what, what happened yeah, it, with it, the demon it, when it came it out it kind of but. surprised us because um you know, we were praying for spe specific uh, things that we saw in the person and that they knew that, you know, they had difficulty with. So different issues, different things that, you know, that certain demons cause. 
And so, and then we, we both prayed, you know, any other evil entities that we don't know the names of. Yes. And that's so, what said, yeah. and so it was after a seven day fast. Yeah. And seven we had fasted fast. and, um, and then after we had, um, spoken to that person and, and, a, and it also was surprising because we oftentimes think that that Jezebel only operates through females and that person was a male. Yeah. So it was a male. There, there's a percentage of males that are affected by that spirit. But mm -hmm. Jezebel, like I mentioned in the last episode, has a, 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 a noted preference for female hosts. Yeah. But for she the can, work that she, she needs can to get still done. Uh, work in a male if Absolutely, she wants to. Yeah. And so, um, and then because of the language and um, uh, different things that she said to that person, we knew it was, uh, we, knew it was we knew 100% we knew it was Jezebel. It was Jezebel. Yeah. So that's why we uh, came to that conclusion. And, and we know that fasting really does work to get rid of her. And, and we, like I mentioned last episode, we mentioned, we call this spirit Jezebel, but that's not the true name of that spirit. And I wish we, I wish we knew it because I think it would make deliverance ministers jobs so much easier if they could just call so it think, out. By yeah. Name. So I think any other evil entities that we don't know the name of is uh, great. <laughs> that, that worked out really great in this case. So that brings me to point number three. So another reason why it's hard to get rid of is because what we name, we have authority over. And this is a very powerful scriptural principle, okay? So like I mentioned, we still don't know that spirit's true name because that's the spirit that was in Queen Jezebel, but it's not. The name of the spirit itself is not Jezebel. So that's the thing that um, that, that can confound some people. Um, so we still don't know the spirits. But, but those the, that this, have used deliverance. It works. Yeah. It works. Those that have identified her, I think it's because they know that Authority the, spirit, the spirit operating through that yeah. name is often identified. Yeah, and, and, and also the person, that when we do the deliverance, we come with authority, we come with faith. So even if we don't have the name, it still has to come out, right? Because Jesus is king overall. So, um, but, but I think it would come out way quicker and it would be way less stickier if we have the exact name of that spirit. Uh, for example, we name our kids, we name our pets, we name our businesses. And guess what? Whatever we name, we have authority over. We mm -hmm. have authority over our kids. We have authority over our pets. We have authority over our businesses and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm an author, I write books. I name the book, I title it, I have authority, I'm an author, the word authority has the word author in it, uh, authority authorize, when you are authorized, there's a higher authority giving you permission to do a thing. So the word um, authority co uh, comprises these, these terms. So uh, also Adam, Adam in Eden had the task of naming all the animals and that was god uh, preparing adam for dominion so by giving the task to adam to name every single animal he was preparing adam for that powerful statement when he told adam and eve have dominion have dominion over all of creation uh, on the earth so but but the name of jezebel still eludes us we refer to it as jezebel when this spirit is called out. She knows it's her. <laughs> she knows her numbers up, but it's stickier. Number four, and this is good. We're gonna we're gonna uh, talk more in detail about point number four because it's a big part of this teaching. Okay. The reason why it's hard to come out 
is because it is reinforced and multiplied through the reigning philosophy of this wicked age. Let me repeat that. Mm -hmm. This spirit is reinforced and multiplied through the reigning philosophy of this wicked age. So the reason we seem to be struggling more and more with this spirit of Jezebel, it's more and more rampant. I mean, you go back 40 years, 50 years, like there were deliverance ministers back then. That was a non, almost a non-issue. And in recent couple of decades, we hear that name all the time, Spirit of Jezebel, Spirit of Jezebel, Spirit of Jezebel. It's everywhere. There's books written about it uh, because it it causes so much harm to the church, so yeah. much harm to the family, so much harm in society. So we're going to see why that is, okay? So uh, so when Jesus, Jesus said, you know, why do you tolerate her? And I think that's the biggest problem is that the, the reason why the Spirit is so strong right now is because of us, because of the church. The church has done this mistake of tolerating that spirit. And we're going to see how that is. So to understand this, we need to go back. And we're going to do this. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Because I like, and Liz knows that Genesis is probably, I think it's my favorite book in the Bible. Close. Anyway, it's, it's one of my favorites, definitely. And there's a lot of ramifications we need to uncover if we're to unmask the spirit of Jezebel, or at least understand it better and confront it and cast it out. So in Genesis chapter 3, God gave the consequences of the fall. So we're, it's after the fall, and, and, and God's coming down, and he's like he sees what's, got, what's happened, and he gave the consequences to the, of the, um, after the fall to the serpent, to the woman, and to the man. So all, all three had consequences for them. But I want to stop and look at the consequences for the woman because I think that the consequences for the woman, of course, we understand the, the, the first one about the, the pain in childbirth. We, like, we get that. Like, that's obvious. But there's a, another consequence. In Genesis 3.16, we read this. God said to the woman, Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, if you're like me, if you're a casual reader, and I was a casual reader for a long time before I began digging deeper and, and studying the scriptures and going into the, the ancient uh, the wording, uh, the, the original uh, words. So if you're a casual reader, you read this and you go like, well, okay, you're you will desire your husband but he will rule over you. So God's basically telling a woman, well, you're going to want his love. You're going to desire him, but he's going to rule over you. That's kind of like uh, the way I used to read it. And I think that's probably, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to pitch any. How we perceive it. A lot of people read it like that. But this is not what the original text says. And this is so important. I really like how the English Standard Version has translated it. Here's what it says. Because I gave you the, the NIV initially. I gave you the NIV. Now, the ESV says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Whoa. No, that is a big, major difference. And I like the way the ESV tra uh, translated because it, it really takes the meaning, the original meaning and intent of that saying, and gives us the big picture here. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So God is saying to the woman, guess what? You're going to want to take over and rule, but you won't be able to. He's going to have, I'm giving him headship. I'm giving Adam headship, but you're going to want to do that. So the word translated as desire is from the word teshuka, teshuka, which most commentators agree is more akin to a desire to be freed from or to take over. So the woman wants to be freed from the rulership of her husband or wants to take over. So see, and, and that is so important to understand because that's when the battle of the sexes begun because there, there wasn't that type of struggle before. You know, when Adam exclaimed and he saw Eve and he went like, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. And there was this passion. Uh, there was no conflict there. But after the fall, unfortunately, there was a definite conflict. Now there would be, now the relational, the marital relationship would all of a sudden be challenging. It wouldn't be as easy as it was. And now there would be a conflict of who's going to rule the nest. We often, we hear that expression often, who's, who rules the nest? Who wears the pants, right? We hear that all the time. So, uh, okay. So now for the longest time, in our society, patriarchy was the rule of the land in most societies in America and Canada. For the longest time, that's the way it was until around the 1920s. And in the 1920s, some good things happened. For example, women began uh, to protest and want, they wanted the right to vote. And that was a good thing. And they, they wanted to have a right to education, which also was a good thing. And so there was some good things that came from the budding, the budding feminist movement. Now, in its beginnings, what they asked for was fair and just. Let's, mm -hmm. let's not kid ourselves. That was fair and just. But as they kept pushing and pushing and pushing, it became what we know today as the radical feminist movement. And that's another entirely, it's an entirely different animal. Yeah. And a radical feminism has opened many, many bad doors that we have a hard time closing today. And we're going to dig into this right now. So we know that there has been abuse on the, on the part of patriarchal societies, especially in biblical times. And what's interesting in biblical times, and I was talking with Liz about this, Interestingly, when Christianity came on the scene, the philosophy and the thinking of Christianity made room for women in such a way that it had never been seen before. I mean, Christians seemed like liberals back then. They, they looked like, what, why are they giving so much room to, to, for women? And Jesus began that, right? And we know how Jesus uh, broke the rules back then yeah. by engaging with women in a way that had never been seen before. And then Christianity, the way they embraced women. Uh, I, I like the way uh, uh, Peter phrases it. I don't know if it's in first or second Peter. I think it's in, I think it's in first Peter. I might be wrong, but where he says that their women are co-inheritors co of the grace of life and, and that the, the man needs to protect them as a weaker vessel, weaker vessel, meaning vessel as a physical 
weaker, protect them, but also to uh, highly esteem them as co-inheritors of the grace of life. And this philosophy was a, it was a new thing in the circles back then, in the Hebrew-Israelite yeah. circles, because the, the woman was, let's face it, was very, very, uh, they, they were just a little bit above uh, cattle back then, and, and they, were, they weren't treated good. So when Christianity came on the scene, all of a sudden there was a breath of fresh air for women and for marriages too, because this probably brought about much more loving marriages and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't even know where I'm yeah. going with this, <laughs> but but sure. Christianity was the the uh, the forerunner of treating women equally and with great respect and honor. Christianity was really good for that. But nevertheless, uh, like I said, since the 1920s, there's been some. Um, uh, it started out as a good thing. But then it got, it, it really got, there was some venom that was injected in that very, very quickly. Well, I mean, and we see it, we see it so clearly uh, today, you know, if you talk to somebody that's very um, radical, um, very, yeah. very pro uh, women's rights and uh, liberal and all that, um, oftentimes that person has been uh, divorced quite a few times or hasn't been able to keep uh, a relationship going. Um, and kind of, you know, I know I've, I've met a lot of these women that question me and, you know, and my beliefs and, and like, how could you be happy in a marriage like that? You know, because in their minds, a marriage is, is uh, feminist. It's, it's the, the woman, yeah. the man squ squishing the, yeah. the woman's rights That's their and, idea, yeah. and her finances and, and telling her what to do and what not to do. And, um, and it's the total opposite, you know, and in a good Christian marriage, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of love. And, uh, and so it's just sad to see how today, um, they've chosen, a lot of them have chosen, uh, to, to have their, their freedoms, um, to an extent that's like beyond measure, which is like way out of control. Like they don't need a man for anything. They can do all things by themselves, even if it is a physical task, you know, they'll figure it out. They don't need a man. And, uh, you know, we see that all the way to uh, getting inseminated, you know, they can pay for it. They can deal with it. They can take care of it. And, you know, they just need, uh, you know, to pay for the thing that the man is only good for. And, uh, you know, they're on their way to, to maternity and uh, parental bliss. And, and it's funny that you say that because I saw a funny meme on, on social media recently. Uh, it was talking about the evolution of the feminist movement. Mm -hmm. It says it started out with um, whatever a man can do, I can do. Uh, then later it was uh, I don't need a man. And then later today it's I am a man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to serious stuff now. So, um, so the the radical feminist movement has, for the most part, challenged the biblical order of the household, okay, mm -hmm. and of society. Mm -hmm. So it is therefore, if you if you look at it this way, it's a rebellion on a grand scale, mm -hmm. on a grand scale. So in Genesis three sixteen. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. It's like giving way to that. It's like, it's contrary and that's fine. And let's do it. Let's bulldoze through that and, and keep going. So the spirit, I wrote this here, the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of radical feminism are linked. This is so important to understand. Mm -hmm. The spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of radical feminism are linked. They possess many similar traits 
not the least of which is an unbridled desire for control and power. Furthermore, the Bible tells us that when Samuel prophesied against Saul, so Saul had disobeyed, he was supposed to kill all the cattle and everything, remember that? And Samuel came and prophesied against Saul, says you were supposed to kill everything, and then hearing the sound of sheep and all that. And, and Saul said, no, no, I just wanted to offer them to Yahweh as a sacrifice. And Samuel said, well, you've rebelled. And then he said, for rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. That was in 1 Samuel 15, 23. So a very powerful, important verse. Other versions in that passage use the word divination instead of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. In other words, rebellion is a very wicked sin in the eyes of God. It's extremely wicked. So now what happens to anyone who practices witchcraft? Well, they open themselves up because we're making a link here between rebellion and witchcraft. Okay. Because they're put on the same level. Yeah. So what happens to anyone who practices witchcraft? They open themselves up to the spirit world. Okay. Blatant sin opens us up to the spirit world in a negative way. So in other words, through that particular sin, a person gives legal right to demons to enter through that particular sin. So rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So where am I going with this? Well, here's where I'm going with this, okay? I believe the so-called spirit of Jezebel is a spirit that affects, I mentioned it, mostly women. It does affect men, mm -hmm. but it affects, it has a preference for women who have opened the door through rebellion to God's established order. And I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, but it, it needs to be said. It needs to be addressed because God has established an order after the fall. There's a domestic order that was very important. And we're going to see why. So the spirit of Jezebel affects mostly women who have opened the door through rebellion to God's established order. It is a spirit that comes in through the sin of rebellion, also known as the sin of witchcraft. Now, this is a very powerful statement, and I'm going to unpack it slowly here, okay? So this is to say that when God gave the consequences of the fall, when God gave the consequences of the fall, that's when he established patriarchy. That was a necessary thing. So although in its fallen state, there was much left to be desired from patriarchy, we know there was abuse, we know there was all kinds of problems with it, it did nonetheless... It did nonetheless keep this evil spirit known as the Jezebelic or Jezebel spirit. It kept it in check. The headship of the husband over the woman, the rulership of the husband over the woman in that particular order as a consequence of the fall, although it was a consequence of the fall and seen mostly as a curse, mm -hmm. it was a necessary fail safe. A necessary failsafe. So under patriarchy, here's what happens. Under patriarchy, the woman is under her father's headship until she gets married. Under patriarchy. So the, the father is the head of the house. And the, the, the woman, is, as a young girl, a younger woman, is under the headship of her dad. Under patriarchy. Mm -hmm. 
And then when the father gives her away, she is then under the headship of her husband. If she is willing to abide under God's domestic order of authority. So what do I mean by that? Well, in order for this to work and protect the woman, she has to be willing to abide under this headship. And we know that we live in a society now that there's tons of rebellion. I mean, there's teenage girls rebelling against their dads all the time. But there's wives also saying, you're, you're, you ain't going to tell me what to do. <laughs> you're a this, you're a that, yeah. you know, and there, there's that rebellion as well in the marriage. So in other words, the headship of the husband over the woman acts as a covering, protective mm-hmm. covering on the woman if she is willing to put herself under that umbrella. If. If, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I want to address this because uh, someone mentioned in, in the comments, um, you know, so if, for example, you you are of uh, Italian descent, which are very hot um, tempers in, in, gen- in general, hot-blooded, and you are with somebody that is also very hot-blooded, maybe from a similar nationality or so- another nationality, and maybe in their nationality, uh, the woman leads a lot, okay? She takes the reins a lot. Um, so... It's the same rules apply, you know. God still gave us the same, um, what He just explained. It's a covering, a it's a covering, is a covering. and um, sometimes what can come into play is there can be a, genera- a generational curses. Um, Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit can come through generational curses. Yeah. We've seen it many times. Um, we've had friends also that we, we could identify the mother, the grandmother, and then the daughter was uh, yeah. it, it basically transferred. Um, it's hard to explain. Yeah, you, you can see of, it's it, generational. Yeah. It's generational, and it can also manifest in the same generation while all of them are still alive. Yeah. So it's it don't, it's almost like, it, you know, it, it very easily can multiply itself if you want. And, um, you know, it's not like there's only one. There's, you know, no, no. she can operate, uh, that spirit can, that entity can operate through, you know, the, the whole bloodline if she wants to. And that's why it's important to cut uh, that generational curse. But, you know, your wife has to be open to that to, to say, yes, you know, there is a problem here. And I, I want to make sure that it's gone. I, I don't want this thing uh, to control me in any way. And, you know, there might be some generational curses on 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 your lineage, for example, you know, the, the Italian lineage. Um, and, you know, there's so many nationalities that have different curses that are pertaining to that lineage, um, you know, they all of them have struggled through different sins that have entered different things, you know. So uh, it's not because we're French, for example, of descent, or I was European, that we're all good. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. work that way. So that's why it's important. So stick till the end because we have very powerful prayers that we're going to do that yes. you can repeat and also that are good for other people that uh, may be in your family that you want to, to deliver, that you want to be able to pray for, uh, that you know are struggling with this or that you've identified this in your marriage that you can uh, break break free of. But ideally, it's good for you both to pray together as a couple. Absolutely. So, yeah, so the headship of the husband, although it is a consequence of the fall, was a necessary failsafe that God established when he established that order mm-hmm. to basically protect us from further harm in a way, in a way. Okay. So, um, so the sin of rebellion 
through radical feminism, opened a Pandora's box of this spirit of Jezebel throughout modern society. Okay, because it became radical feminism has become rampant. It's it's in our it's in our schools. It's 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 everywhere. I mean, it's taught everywhere in our movies, in our books, in our like anything you turn to. It, 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 the, the philosophy and, and the, the mindset of that is, is the boss babe and, and all. And, and there's nothing wrong with women being good leaders, but or all, entrepreneurs. It, all, it always needs to be done in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Under, the, under the, the sanctified way that God prescribed in the scriptures. So there's a way to do things. And, but now it's all, all of whack in our society. Yeah. So in the Bible, when women rule over men in the scriptures it's always shown to be a curse and we're going to get in genesis here genesis 3:17 the verse right after genesis 3:16 where god says to the woman that um, your desire shall be for your husband but he will rule over you 3:17 adam was blamed for listening to the voice of eve over the voice of god so in 3:17 we read And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. We we, we can't, we tend to forget that part. And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. So it's a two part thing. Of course, there was the the reason like he ate the fruit. That's the big thing. Mm -hmm. But how did he eat the fruit? He listened to the voice of his wife. Uh, uh, of which I, so you have eaten the, the tree I, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, I said, uh, God said, cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, it describes women ruling over men as a curse on Israel. So the prophet is, is, is pronouncing a calamity coming on Israel. And here's what he says in in chapter 3, verse 12. My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Uh, Oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. So that was not a good thing. And we know that Paul in the New Testament, we know what Paul says in the New Testament about uh, the headship and how the order of things in the domestic household, but also in the church assembly, there's a certain order of things that we need to uh, heed to. Now, uh, so Paul is quick to remind us about these things, and I'm not going to get into the, the women teachers and all that. I'm just going to say one thing about this, okay? I've heard some women teachers that are far better than I am, <laughs> okay? So you have great ability, you have unmistakable gifting of the Holy Ghost. Now, Ability, ability or gifting does not equate in permissibility. So I'm just going to say say that. That's my view on it. That's my view on it. If I'm wrong, this, the Lord will correct me. But that's what I understand. So there's definitely a, a place and a time and a way that the women should use their gift if they have the gift of teaching. Uh, I mean, like I, like I said, I've heard some women who's like, Wow, blew my mind. Great teachers. But it has to be done in a certain way. And that's what the Bible is all about. It's about it telling us about the order of things in the home, the order of things in the assembly. And if these things are done in a certain way, we close the door to potential spiritual attacks. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, we open the door to potential very 
nasty attacks, spiritual yeah. attacks. Our churches are in big trouble today. Um, um, there, there's a lot of Jezebel spirits attacking left and right. I've seen pastors, man, like it's crazy. Um, the misery, some pastors, <laughs> they move out of state, not even out of town. They, 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 they close down their churches. They're put to shame on all kinds of, they're led into adultery, they're led into all kinds of problems through that spirit. And then they move across country <laughs> to yeah. try to either forget about it or the, start a new ministry. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the Jezebel spirit has in a number on a lot of pastors. And, you know, a lot of uh, people judge and say, oh, that person fell because, you know, um, they they were weak in sin and this and that, but yeah. you know, oftentimes no. uh, it's it's not. It's, it's the not, result of a vicious attack. Yeah, and uh, there's there's witchcraft involved in yeah. that. You can't forget that. So yeah. it's not like uh, that person is always looking, you know, to hey, uh, let's have an occasion here. Let's yeah. look around who can I sleep with. You know, it's really not like that. It's no. very uh, it's very subtle, subtle, and uh, you know, basically the devil knows how to to get people in their weak points absolutely and, and, and we know, know that you know mass man's weak point you know sexuality in men like that's something that men have a hard time with so obviously the devil uses it a lot and 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 when we were talking about it being sticky in churches oftentimes these ladies that do carry the spirit are women that uh you know have a leadership role in example uh prayer meetings or the music or different areas in the church maybe it's with even with children you know sunday school or whatnot and like i said earlier it's not they you know they they look and conduct themselves oftentimes like somebody that um is is a good christian so you you can't always identify it right away it's really by getting to know the person and um you know and and really testing the spirit and asking the holy spirit to show you that you can see these things but when you get to know them um, and you do have, like I said in the first uh, in the first broadcast, I asked to pray for the spirit of discernment of spirits. Um, you know, oftentimes just by having a simple conversation, uh, you can detect it. You know, yeah. you can you can sense that wanting of control and uh, different different aspects of it that will flare up, and you'll say, "Huh," you know, and you're going to pray about it, and the Holy Spirit will show you. So. Um, all this to say, you know, he's talking about the the Old Testament and he's talking, he's like basically um, helping you understand, you know, why this this came to be. OK, but we do know that the Lord Jesus Christ died um, for us to have total freedom. He doesn't want us to live uh, captive. And anybody that's been encounter with a spirit, a Jezebel spirit knows how she can squish your freedom and your liberties mm. and you feel like. There's nowhere to run, and uh, it's very difficult, especially when the person is a close family member. So it can be very overwhelming. And so all this to say, you know, the Lord has given us the power. Uh, yes. We do have freedom, and we do have a way to uh, get rid of her and to have our lives back if you want. So now we're at the point of teaching where I want to share with you something that's really out of left field, but you're going to appreciate this mm -hmm. because this is very special. It's from a book called The Colburn. And for those of you who don't know what The Colburn is, it's a collection of ancient writings. So many different writers and books, kind of like the Bible in a way. Uh, but that is a powerful, powerful word from The Colburn. And I wanted to share it with you. Of course, I'm not putting it on, on the same level as the Bible, but there, there's great lessons there. It's from, uh, so what The Colburn is, by just a little parenthesis here, it's an ancient collection of writings written by the Egyptian scholars after the Exodus, 
and also by the Celts at the time of, uh, let's say, the travels of Paul and maybe a little later after that. So very interesting uh, historic, from a historical perspective, is very interesting, but there's also great uh, wisdom in the Colburn and good stuff there. So that's from the Book of Britain, uh, chapter three, verses, uh, parts 55 and 50. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's chapter and verse in the Colburn, but it's from the Book of Britain. And there's some sayings that are attributed to Jesus Christ. So it's very interesting because there's a Roman soldier who, uh, in, in this context, who's asking Jesus a question. He says, tell me, good master, when shall the end be? And I thought that this word from this very ancient manuscript that says that these words came from Jesus, it really blew my mind because it really describes today's world to a T, especially the male-female dichotomy or, or difficulty to relate. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. So Jesus answered, there will be an end to the beginning and men will know this by the spirit of the times. Men will no longer be as brothers nor will they be manly. Women will be as men and men as women. Adultery will not be condemned, nor will fornication. Therefore, these will flourish. Men will not honor their homelands, and there will be no discrimination among them, nor will they maintain the purity of their races. Fathers will not be honored, nor mothers respected. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. And children will be raised to be wayward. Perversions will be encouraged, and criminals will mock the law. There will be incest and rape, and it will be unsafe to walk abroad. Floods, famines, droughts, and earthquakes will cause death and destruction. Strange sicknesses will smite the people, and there will be a denial of God. Mm. Babes, as in babies, will be slain in the womb. Men will lust after the wives of other men, and marriage shall lose its meaning. Women will go to the marriage table unchaste and with deceit in their hearts. Their husbands, creatures of pity, will hear the mocking voices of laughing men. So it's basically telling us here that the women will have deceit in their hearts in the marriage and they will basically rule over the men because the men will be seen as creatures of pity. Like, aha, you fool, you fell for that. You're getting the hook and chain, the the, the, the ball and chain, yeah. you're getting married. We, we hear this all the time in mm -hmm. our society. Priests will defile their altars with their impurity and the rulers will be held in little repute. In other words, they will be seen as lesser men. It is not God who marks the end days, but men who lives as though setting a pitfall for himself. So that's from the Colburn. It's attributed to Jesus Christ. But whether or not these words are true, we know that they describe today's society to a T. And yeah. it's actually scary when you read. I, I, was, I was blown mm -hmm. away at reading these, I guess they're prophetic words, right? Uh, and now I want to talk about another issue that I feel is very pressing, very important to address, and it's the feminization of the modern church, the modern, um, yeah, the modern church. So, of course, with uh, 
radical feminism being tolerated and, and given leeway, we have assisted to a feminization of the church. So what does that mean? Well, it means that how many uh, widows, Sunday widows, do you know? And that's a question. The Sunday widow is, is basically a, a wife, a woman who's married, who comes to church alone because her husband won't go. I have known a lot of uh, Sunday widows throughout my lifetime. So that's a real thing. Uh, but one of the reasons for that is the feminization of the church. So one of the consequences of tolerating Jezebel has been this gradual feminization of the church. The Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, that's an organization, okay? The Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood had this to say about feminine Christianity. Here's what they said. I'm going to read to you from a report they, they, they wrote. They wrote this. Walk into the average evangelical church in America, and you will likely sing lyrics such as, I want my life to be a love song for, for you, Jesus, and I want to fall in love with you. Then you might hear a sermon encouraging Christians to be intimate with Jesus and attend a care group where everyone is expected to share their feelings. Such tactics might appeal to women, and we know they do, but they are at least, at least partially unbiblical and push men away from Christianity. According to Randy Stinson, who is the executive director of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and he's also an, an assistant professor of gender and family studies at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I thought this was very, very insightful observations about the state of many, many churches. I know I've been, I'm not Mr. Sing-Along. You know, I don't, like when I go to church, I really, like, I think it's for the sermon. I want the sermon. Uh, I just want to get it, like, uh, singing's not my thing much, you know. But it's even worse when I have to sing songs like I want to fall in love with you, Jesus, or hold me, Jesus, and, and stuff like that, that. That's very, for a male, for a man, it's not, a that's not like, you know, he's, he's my big brother. He's, he's my savior. Uh, he's my hero. That, like, that's not what I want to sing when I sing about, you know, I, I, I want to sing, um, Stuff that's different from that. So uh, he continued. He continues. So um, Stinson continued. Said, "Where are the men in our churches today?" Stinson said in a lecture sponsored by the the, the, the organization for biblical manhood and womanhood. So um, he said, "We have a crisis going on in the local church. Number one, men aren't coming to church. That's huge. And number two, when they are coming." They, they've marginalized, they're being uh, passive, they're being pushed to decide whether or not they want to be pushed or decide or, or not. Uh, and there's also, see, this is one observation of one organization, but I think it's spot on. Uh, but there's also books that were written on this very important subject. Why do I say it's an important subject? Because uh, I read a statistics uh, once that, that said that in a typical household, if mommy is saved, and daddy is not saved. I think it said stats, and, and I'm trying to go from memory here. I think it said something like 23% of the kids will get saved in that household. So if mommy's a Christian and daddy's not a Christian, 23%, the kids have 23% chance of getting to know the Lord. Now, if daddy is saved and mommy's not saved, it rose to something like 70 something percent. 
And now they said, and if and if daddy and mommy were saved, it was something like 90 something percent. So that's mm -hmm. a really great increase. But the difference between the impact of daddy following God and, and being in love with God and wanting to follow Christ is it's incredible. And now we're we're in a situation where daddies don't feel they feel repelled by church or they feel they don't feel inter interpelli how do you say that they feel they don't feel drawn like to it drawn to it and that's a big problem in our in our society so there's books that were written on this very subject one of the books is was written by david murrow it's called it's a well-known book it's called why men hate going to church he addressed that in detail uh, another uh, author leon J. Pottles wrote two books on the subject of the feminization of the church. One of those was The Church Impotent, Impotent The Feminization of Christianity. Pretty uh, brutal title, but still it's unfortunate, unfortunately true. The other one is Losing the Good Portion, Why Men Are Alienated from Christianity. That's another book he wrote. So here's the thing. The Jezebel spirit thrives when male leadership is weak or absent. So that's a big problem. And we have more and more of that going on in our churches. But it's more than that. The Jezebel spirit thrives when it is tolerated. So it's about what the words of the words of Jesus, what he said, that you tolerate her. You tolerate her. So it thrives, that spirit thrives when men relinquish their power to that spirit. Just like Ahab relinquished his power to Queen Jezebel way back then. Mm -hmm. Now that set a precedent and it set basically the pattern for the spiritual model of, of, of wickedness, I guess you could say. For every Jezebel, there is an Ahab. Or if there is not, that spirit, Jezebel, will be looking actively for an Ahab to gain ground, to gain some ground. Yeah. And like I said, you know, um, whether it's in the workplace or in the church, oftentimes that person really wants to be um, in charge and control of a certain department. Um, I've seen her at work. Um, so I'll just give you an example. I had a boss that was, uh, a, you know, a nice man. Uh, he was, you know, I would say uh, a, an okay leader, you know, he wasn't like Mr. Mr. Man, but he wasn't like this weak type leader either. And, he, you know, he said where, where things need to be. He was a polite guy. And, you know, oftentimes um, these women that have the Jezebel spirit want to size the person and see if they can get any way under the control. And so they'll test them in different ways. And what I saw um, happen before my eyes is that, this woman would create fits. She would create fits in front of the whole department and she'd make such a scene that this boss just wanted to shut her up mm. and would give her what she wanted until she started running the department and wow. running people and controlling people that um, she had no business controlling. She did not have this uh, position. And so it was the kind of thing where it was difficult for him to deal with this mess afterwards because then it, it demanded confrontation. So he became her, her Ahab. Exactly. And then so she he just didn't want to deal with her. So that's oftentimes what happens yeah. is that they'll just give her whatever she wants just to shut her up. So she 
stays quiet and then they seem like they have control of the situation because if I make her happy, then, you know, I can do my job, I can do my thing. But in the meantime, you know, she's operating in different ways, you know, controlling other people and using a control to make people really feel bad. And I saw that firsthand how she, uh, you know, tried to control and, and belittle and squish people that were good people, good women that didn't need to go through that. Mm. Right. Um, but all that is, you know, happens behind the scenes and the, the boss doesn't know anything about it. But anyway, I had a, a very good first glance of it in yeah. the workplace and I saw it operate similar in the church, in the church as yeah. well. So that's when I very say, similar. you know, oftentimes the pastors, especially if it's a bigger church, don't always know everybody firsthand very well to be able to die to, to, um, detect these things, you know, they just see the person do their thing, the, you know, they'll think, Oh, what a nice woman leader, and she's doing her thing, and everybody seems happy. And so that's why it's really important to really get to know your people so that you uh, don't get, you know, sidetracked or like, uh, fall for it without uh, expecting it. I just wanted to bring in uh, a word about uh, Lilith the spirit of Lilith. And uh, I've looked into it and in deliverance ministries, they are seen as different identities, different entities, different identities, Lilith and Jezebel. Mm -hmm. And I respect that view. However, as I read about Lilith, that spirit, um, I found some very interesting parallels with the Jezebel spirit. And, but Lilith is, is, is not, um, uh, doesn't have it is not nearly as famous I guess you could say as your other female counterpart which is Jezebel and I got me wondering what if they're both one and the same and that's just a me thinking it's not a hey, they're they're the same but I was since we're trying to identify that spirit I was wondering if that couldn't be because when I read about the the Lilith first of all Lilith is mentioned only once in the whole Bible it's in Isaiah 34 14 where we read the, the wild animals of the desert will meet with the wolves and the wild goat will cry to his fellow. Yes, the night creature, mm -hmm. the night creature, which in, in the, uh, the Aramaic Hebrew is literally Lilith, which could also be a night demon or night monster. So it says, so the night creature shall settle there in the desert and shall find herself a place of rest. And I, that got me thinking, I was like, that's not that interesting. It says that that night creature, that Lilith spirit, actually rests in the desert. Um, and yet Jesus said that when demons are cast out, they go out into the desert and there they find no rest. So maybe it's just a temporary rest. But I was wondering, why does Lilith find rest there? Just think it out loud here. Uh, and here's an excerpt from Bibli biblicalarchaeology.com, biblicalarchaeology.com that spoke about Lilith. I wanted to read the article for you, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's a part that really caught my attention. Uh, it's where it says this. Modern feminists celebrate her bold struggle for independence for independence from Adam, because Lilith was is, is, is seen in mythology as the first wife of Adam, but there's no biblical evidence for that. But it's mythology, Jewish mythology. Uh, so modern feminists celebrate her bold struggle for independence because in the mythology, she wanted to be set free from his rulership over her because she felt she was 
his equal and she didn't want him to rule. And she's like, ciao, I'm out of here, basically. So her name appears as the title of a Jewish women's magazine. So there's a Jewish women's magazine named Lilith and a national literacy program, an annual music festival that donates its profits to battered women's shelters and breast cancer research institutes is called the Lilith Fair. Mm -hmm. In most manifestations of her myth, Lilith represents, listen to this, chaos, seduction, and ungodliness. Yet in her in her every guise, Lilith has cast a spell on humankind. Mm -hmm. So I thought that sounded a lot like the the infamous or famous or <laughs> the spirit of Jezebel we're talking about right now. Uh, and I was wondering, thinking, what if that would be the identity of that spirit? Just thinking about that, uh, just sharing that with you guys. Uh, we also noticed that the, this this um, the spirit, when given leeway through the portal, huge portal of feminism, and it, it starts taking over households and churches and communities, and it can take over huge territories. Uh, we, my, my, I was born in the province of Quebec. I was born in Montreal, born and raised there. And I can tell you that what Quebec is a particular place. There's a particular history there of male oppression through the priesthood of the Catholic Church. So you see a pattern there, right? Right. Male oppression through the, the priests of the Catholic Church. With the 60s came this, this liberation, say, okay, uh, free love, free sex, free whatever. The women cast off this religious um, burden that was put on them through the Catholic Church. And because they were oppressed by mostly males, in the workplace, in church, they they really uh, embraced feminism in a huge way. So the, the the whole city of Montreal and the province of Quebec. And there it, was a lot of abuse, we have to say. And there, oh, there was a, a terrible of amount abuse. of abuse from the priesthood, but also from uh, fathers, uncles, grandfathers who were yeah. drunk, living in poverty, getting drunk and abusing of their daughters or, or nieces or whatever, or... or so a, a terrible amount of abuse. Mm -hmm. So in reaction to that, when feminism came to the forefront and Quebec women uh, met with that, they were like, that's my, that's my ticket. That's my thing. But they embraced so much of it, so much of it, that uh, we, we have an expression in Quebec, uh, if a woman has a Jezebel spirit, they don't know, like, like the common folks over there, they don't know about Jezebel spirits and deliverance yeah. and all that. But they gave a term. They call them <laughs> Germain Faucon. Germain. Germain means to uh, to be a, uh, a manager and to lead. Ger, manage, men. But that's also a female name in Quebec, Germain. So they say it's Germain. But it's also implied that she's, she's, she's leading over she's men. She's managing. She's, she's leading. She's taking, she's taking like, the reins and he doesn't have a word to say. And he doesn't have say. a word to say because yeah. if he does say something, she's going to slap him. <laughs> yeah, it's implied. But, but it's implied. So, so, um, so the spirit took uh, took, took over. Uh, it's so it can, not, what I'm saying here is it can take over territories. Yeah. Okay. It, can, it there, gets so very, there's very places bad. in the world where that that spirit is not very known or, or because the culture has not embraced feminism. 
it can still manifest, of course, through men and, and women, but to a much lesser degree than in other places where feminism is rampant. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying that. Okay. A word on Aham. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Aham, but uh, also, you know, I said that the spirit of uh, Jezebel can be traced to the fall. I talked about Eve. Your desire mm -hmm. shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I talked about that. But also to Adam, you know, uh, the spirit of Aham can be traced there. The spirit of Aham can be traced to the fall as well. Because God got mad. And in 317, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, boom, 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 there's your consequences, Adam. Mm -hmm. So strong women, strong women will seek weak men. Strong women who have the spirit of Jezebel seek weak men. Strong women who don't have the spirit of Jezebel streak strong, seek strong men. <laughs> but the strong women who are plagued with fake strength from the spirit of Jezebel, they will seek weak men. They'll seek their Ahab. And weak men, those who have the spirit of Ahab, guess what they're going to seek? They're going to seek those who have a, a, a Jezebel spirit because they work together. They work together. Yeah, and um, uh, one thing that I want to mention about this is, um, so I, like I said, you know, I, I've seen people, um, well, the whole, like a big part of Quebec is plagued by this, so it's not very hard to find. But, um, you know, you'll typically what you'll notice is that the, the woman has this very, very strong uh, leadership. Like she really deals, like she's the, the top leader in the household. There's nothing she doesn't take control of. And she has an opinion about everything, even the things that don't concern her. And uh, the man in the picture has no opinion. So he, or if he does, and he's if he does, he's kind of scared to yeah. view, you know, say his opinion. If you go eat over there for supper, um, he seems like a very polite, kind person. Um, and I'm not saying he isn't, but really he's been a suppressed, you know, Cast like really oppressed. What we call castrated. Yeah, basically. really, really oppressed yeah. and is very, very miserable. Oftentimes these men are very miserable because that's not how they thought they would live their marriage. That's not how they want to live their marriage. Um, and, you know, even if they love their wife once upon a time, this has taken such a toll on them physically that oftentimes they've like given up. They yeah. become depressed. Um, you know, even some are suicidal. And so you can see how things get. So you can have like a, a man that, um, uh, you know, has uh, leadership that meets this woman, uh, dates her. She's very attractive. She's very, um, you know, how should I say this? Um, she can be seducing, but she, she's very like, she knows where she's going and that can attract a man, you know, that can like, she's got this independence, this, um, uh, how should I say this? Like it, it's, it kind of seems like she's going to take good care of him. Uh, but he kind of doesn't know what he's getting into and th until things get sour once they're married and she just wants to take the reins over the finances, take the reins over everything. And basically, uh, you know, he doesn't run the household. All he does is go, um, you know, make a salary, bring back the money and give it to her. You know, so I'm just give, painting a picture of the ultimate thing that I've seen in Quebec that has been very, very dominant yes. um, and very obvious. And oftentimes, you know, I would say that that is very obvious to couples that are in their uh, 60s and up. 
that you'll really notice that very, uh, very, very picture. Um, and, you know, like I said, in the younger people, the younger generation, because of the feminist movement being so strong, now a lot of it is like, I don't need a man. So, you know, um, I basically seduce you. I um, convince you to marry me. And then when, I, when I'm done with you and I've had the control that I needed and I'm on to the next guy, then I dump you and I go for somebody else. Yeah, and so that's, that's interesting that you bring that up, Liz, because I just want to interject here quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I think I read a stat once that 70 to 80% of divorces are initiated by the woman. Now, that's very telling. I mean, I don't think 70 to 80% of men out there are, are bad and deserve a divorce. But women are very, very dissatisfied with with uh, manhood today and and that, there's a place for that because there's a serious lack of leadership in, yeah. in the man today mm -hmm. um the hehab spirit can also be national okay mm -hmm. and, and uh, it's, so it's we're living in a, a very difficult time yeah there's a there's a very big um uh, what do you call it imbalance this this disimbalance like um you know nothing's balanced nothing yeah, we're out of whack yeah we're out of whack as a society and and so uh so if I had a plea, if I had a plea uh, to Christian women and Christian men right now, it would be to take your biblical roles seriously. Mm -hmm. It's not optional. It is so important that the men lead with the love of Christ. Let me repeat that. Lead with the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. Not leave with an iron fist. Lead with the love of Christ. That's so important. But it's so important, so important that women, if they have a man like that, especially, that they put themselves under his umbrella and say, you know what? I trust. My Lord told me to be willing to obey this man and respect him. And that's what I'm going to do. Even if I'm super smart, even if I'm as smart as he is, as capable as he is, God told me there is an order. And I'm going to take it to heart and I'm going to do it because I know that there's consequences, not only for my marriage, but for the next generation who's watching me, because we have kids, right? They watch us interact. Yeah. So if a woman doesn't submit to her husband, especially if the husband is a good man, the daughter sees it. Get, guess what she's going to do when she gets married? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a repercussion to our actions. The same with the men. If you don't lead, and your son watches you day in, day out. Guess how he's going to grow up? He's probably going to expect the woman to take the reins. He's going to expect the woman to do it all for him, right? Because mm -hmm. he won't, he will not have learned how to lead. So and, yeah, these and roles we, are so crucial. Did, yeah, and we did a, a broadcast. You can go check on our YouTube or uh, on our podcast at thrivingonpurpose.com. You can find our, our broadcast that we did on um, on marriage. Uh, what, did, what, did we uh, what did we call it? I forget what we titled it, but it's maybe it's not the, too far ago, like maybe yeah, a month may, ago. Maybe a month ago, maybe the fourth before the this one. Yeah, that was a good broadcast. Yeah, we talked about uh, kingdom marriages, basically what they're supposed to look like. So yeah. if you're interested in, in listening to that, that will really bless you. Yeah, and as we end this teaching, as we're reaching the end of this teaching, I want to mm -hmm. address something that's so, so important that we've heard about it in the prophetic. We know it's We know it's there. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why it's there, and uh, there's things that we need to understand for it to really work. So we know that in the end times, the church will be given a spirit of Elijah anointing as a whole. 
we will be given a spirit of Elijah anointing. And we know how Elijah and Jezebel were best buds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they were at, 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 at they were at sworn enemies, yeah. Elijah and Jezebel. Now, mm -hmm. if the church is given the spirit of Elijah in the end times, and that's a prophecy that we heard time and time and again, and we know it's true. It's also from the scriptures, and I'm going to share that with you. What does that mean? We're going to look at, uh, at that. So John the Baptist, we know, operated in the strength and the power of Elijah. It was said of John the Baptist that he had the spirit of Elijah, and it, it showed. He really acted the same way. When he confronted Herod and Herod, Herod, Herodias, I don't know how to pronounce it, his, his concubine, who was his brother's wife, mm -hmm. when he confronted them publicly, that's when she said, give me his head. Give me his head. Just like Jezebel of old, right? Same thing, same thing. And Herod, because he had made a promise up to half his kingdom to a dancing girl, he didn't want to, uh, to look like a fool. So he gave the head of John the Baptist on a platter, a silver platter. That was Ahab and Jezebel, once again, repeated. Same thing, same yeah. pattern. But in Malachi... Malachi is the last book in your Bible, the last book of the Old Testament. In chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we read an incredible prophecy. Here's what we read. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He, that spirit of Elijah, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, this is a verse that is so actual, it's actually scary. But here's what it says, basically. It says that at the end of days, the spirit of Elijah will come and will turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children because it's it, so what i'm seeing here what i'm seeing in my spirit that's the spirit of patriarchy that's going to make a comeback but a good comeback not a not an abusive comeback not a, not the way it used to be but it's going to make a comeback with the love of christ this mm -hmm. time and so it will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Why? Because the hearts of the children for generations now have been steered away from their fathers. So there's a strong matriarchy movement that came with the feminist movement. And now whether we admit it or not, I mean, mm -hmm. I know they, they talk about the glass ceiling all the time, but glass ceiling has been, it, it's just a, <laughs> it makes me laugh when they say that. I mean, masculinity is in crisis children girls i have two daughters they need a dad they need a strong dad they need this, the love of a strong dad um and and, and sons they, they need someone to identify with right patriarchy giving a young man young boys a sense of belonging a sense that it's okay to be men it's okay to be different to be rowdy to do things that girls wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. See, we, in church, when they go to church, they're taught to be like girls or like women. They're taught by women mostly. Most most teachers are women. They're taught to live in, in an environment that's very feminized, just like the church. The, the, the schools have been very feminized. Proof is in the pudding. 63% or 65% of university graduates are women. 
There's a reason for that. It's because males do not fit well in the, 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 the environment, the schooling environment that we have created. Mm-hmm. They learn differently. Men thrive in, in more of a mentorship um, environment, uh, what they call a apprentice, apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. That's the way men learn best, mentorship, apprenticeship. But the school system is all about sit down there for hours and listen to us and re- regurgitate what we're going to teach you. That's the system. Now, the way women are made, psychologically, emotional, all that, they fare better under those circumstances. And I'm not saying that the best circumstances for women. I'm just saying that, that, that the women, the typical girl, will mm-hmm. fare better under that environment. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But, but what I'm saying is that uh, this prophecy in Malachi is talking about something very powerful. And here's the, the end of it where the Lord says, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm wondering if that curse is not the spirit of Jezebel that's been rampant. In other words, that the spirit of Elijah has come. It hasn't done its job properly. So men, leaders, haven't haven't run with it enough to confront Jezebel. We have not confronted Jezebel. And the hearts haven't been turned enough back to the fathers. Mm. And we're under that oppression right now from that evil spirit. That's just my take on it. I may be wrong. But... um, but I think it's interesting that it says that it turned the, the, the hearts of the children towards their fathers. And the fathers in this passage, very important to know, it's not just their daddies, their the fathers in their house. It's the founding fathers. It's uh, the church fathers, uh, pastoral leaders, father, fatherhood, the heart of fatherhood that is so absent in today's world. So, and you also have the fathers that, that you know, you know we we've seen in in relationships. You know, sometimes you don't always grow spiritually in the same um, in the same strength, if you want, in the same depth, right? Um, sometimes you know you're ha- you'll have a, a man that really really has that heart to um, serve and and to love his family and and to be that leader yes but he's dealing with with a wife that has this Jezebel spirit that's very strong and it's it's kind of touchy you know to 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 lead in a way where she doesn't feel like she's you know being attacked or or dominated in a negative way but at the same time it's hard because he has to take the reins and, be and be that leader yeah. so it's really about servant leadership meets uh, a loving authority, if you want. Yeah. Um, and patience, especially patience, patience, and a lot of prayer and fasting. You yeah. know, to to be able to uh, get a hold of this, and you know, even sometimes, um, you know, sitting down with with that person that you love and, and saying, "Look, I think we have a problem." You know, I love you, and and I want to um, to be there for you, but when this and this, or you say this, or you undermine my authority, this is how I feel. And, you know, to really have that good discussion um, conversation. together, because it, it's really not easy to take our roles no. um, in a way where, um, especially in today's society and the way, you know, women perceive what they're supposed to, you know, that's the thing is that a lot of women 
uh, forget the biblical principles that we're supposed to embrace. And they just look at society and what you see in the movies and what you see um, on TV all the time as it's supposed to be this reality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if we go back to, for example, Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Oh, when I was goodness. a kid, I hated that show. <laughs> when I was a kid, I hated it. my parents watched that, you know, and, uh, and a lot of other uh, people were raised, you know, watching TGIF, you know, watching these comedy shows. And we had, you know, a few of them that had these, these good uh, father leadership uh, role models, like Growing Pains, for example, where the, you know, both parents were c- career people, they were both grounded, you know, and they both had this yeah, loving it relationship. Left, it kind of left with the 80s, the, the, this yeah. strong male so role model. I'm just mentioning that like that, because I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I'm 40 and I was kind of raised watching these things. But if you go back to those shows, you know, everybody live, loves Raymond. And now so many shows today. I mean, the man is always an idiot. You know, he doesn't know always. what he's doing. The woman's always a smart one. Yeah. And, you know, these things like they, they just put this negative image and people laugh and think, OK, it's comedy. But in reality, when you see that all over the place and that's all you watch, uh, you know, women start to think, hey, you know, I am the I'm smartest yeah. and I I'm am smarter than you and, you know, and, and this and that. So it's very important to, you know, select what you're watching and to, to make sure that you're not, you know, bringing that stuff in your house either. And, you know, we made a decision together, you know, that um, we weren't going to watch a lot of these shows and we didn't want to show that to our kids either. And, you know, and I'm saying that I was I was raised watching these things, but my dad wasn't like that, you know, so we just kind of laughed. But now today in today's society, it's it's everywhere. Like yeah. every show, every comedy show, the guy's an idiot. Yeah. You know, it's basically that. And and leadership, what? Like, what is leadership? You know, like most of them don't even know what leadership is. And so if you're interested in leadership and you want to know about ser- servant leadership, uh, you know, we've done a lot of broadcasts on leadership because we've been trained by the John Maxwell team. And uh, we've listened to a lot of John Maxwell's content and we've basically kingdomized it. You know, we've Christianized it um, so that it applies to uh, a believer's life. So you can go pa- uh, check our broadcast, our past broadcasts and thrivingonpurpose.com. And, you know, that'll give you a really good idea of what of how to lead, you know, without having this servant, um, leadership. servant leadership with yeah. having the right approach, you know. And when we have the right approach, well, it's very hard for a woman to say, you know, I want nothing to do with that because yeah. women do need that leadership. We do need, um, you know, that, that, that leadership, uh, especially when things are crumbling around our lives and things. And it's never good for a woman to want to take that leadership completely because it's sort of like we, we feel that there's this uh, unbalancement. It's like we know yeah. it, it, unconsciously we know we're not comfortable in that role. And it's happened, and to, we, it's and, happened to us. And too. you can get yeah. bitter. Yeah, you can get bitter and say, you know, well, why don't you do this? And why don't you take that role? Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel like this. You know, and so like, yeah, we've had our issues had our in our the issues. beginning of our marriage. And yeah. we had to, you know, God had to show us how to how to do this blueprint. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. good point about the, the mm-hmm. leadership thing. So the point we're making as we're closing is that the church in the last days has a powerful spirit of Elijah anointing. Now, the spirit of Elijah anointing is for one thing. It serves to confront the spirit of Jezebel. And it, we're going back to Revelation chapter 2 again. Mm-hmm. We can't fail again. We have to do it. As unpleasant as it is, we have to confront, forsake, 
and, and cast out that spirit out, uh, out of our philosophies, out of our thinking, out mm -hmm. of our, our, there's so many, cause it's, 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 it's leaked into so many areas of our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Just the, the perversion of the way this spirit thinks it's all over. And like I said, it used it, the feminism, the radical feminist movement was a um, kind of like push that and empowered that spirit, yeah. giving it a lot and, of power. And we've seen it manifest really, really intensely uh, against Trump. Uh, you oh know, for goodness. those of you that. Yeah, um, well, Trump was that strong male, that non Ahab yeah. uh, uh, president. And it's funny because and we saw flare. I, I, I mean, so many women that I know in my in my own environment who had a Jezebel spirit that I oh that they I, hate that, him yeah they hate what him. they said about him I can't repeat it here on the broadcast yeah. but yeah it was and, and the same can be the said battle you know, of the spirits a battle of the spirits and uh, I remember there was also the uh, 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 these same women when they would encounter a male a man with an Ahab spirit, he was so wonderful. What a great guy. I love him. He's so great. And I was like, that guy has no uh, no backbone. He's like no personality. Why do they say that about him? Yeah. <laughs> just saying, just throwing that out there. So we, we have, as the church, we've been given this Elijah anointing. And yes, Elijah anointing, we need to confront Jezebel. And you know what? By staying hush, hush about the radical feminist movement the church is consenting to it mm -hmm. whoever doesn't say anything consents so we have to stand up men women together christians under the lordship of christ we mm -hmm. have to um to uh to confront that spirit um so what we what we've been doing is what we've been offering deliverance to those with a spirit of Jezebel, but we haven't addressed the source. How did that spirit become so powerful, so strong in our society, in our churches, in our homes? How did that spirit become take over so much territory? We haven't confronted it. That's the problem. So the Lord said, "I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. We need to stop that. We need to stop tolerating uh, Jezebel." Uh, so. I'll just finish with this. If it's true that we have a spirit of Elijah rising up amongst the remnant, we need to address the ills of the radical feminist movement, women and men. Women need to get back to biblical femininity. Mm -hmm. Biblical femininity. There is such a thing, and it's a beautiful thing. And men need to get back to masculine, biblical masculinity. Biblical masculinity, which is loving, strong but loving. So we need to do this as uh, as a church. The men need to take it personal. The women need to take it personal. And we need to stop uh, falling for the philosophies of the world. The philosophies of the world are going to lead us astray if we listen to them. So yeah. now Liz is going to lead us, uh, lead our listeners, all of you guys listening to this. She's going to lead you in prayer to confront and forsake the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, read to you uh, a, a powerful... A powerful prayer, so you, you're going to repeat. Yeah, I'm going to read a powerful deliverance prayer that was uh, adapted from Jonas Clark Ministries. And um, you're going to see it really covers all bases. Um, you know, it's it's we thought that it would be good for us to read it so that you guys can 
a repeat after us. So I'm going to read it uh, slowly. I won't I won't speak too fast so that you can repeat. And like I said earlier, it's always best if you fasted uh, before you do this prayer. It uh, it you know is more effective. Yeah. If you ideally, uh, hopefully you you fasted or you're going to fast when you get back to it. And so this covers all bases. Um, when it comes to you know you may feeling you may be feeling like you may have struggled with the spirit, um, or you may ha have somebody in your family or at work, um, so you can pray this uh, this kind of prayer and it can also uh, chase that out of your life and break the ties break off the of ties. that in your life yes. so that you have that freedom even if um, you know that person might be your mother-in-law or whoever in your family um, you can break it off by uh, praying this prayer. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for the authority to battle against the controlling powers of witchcraft that attack me. In Jesus' name, I bind every negative, unscriptural word spoken against my life. I break the power of confusion, torment, fear, control, and manipulation. I take captive every vain imagination and high thought that is contrary to the word of God in my life. I submit my will, thoughts, and life to the, to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, commanding stability and order to prevail in my soul. I break the power of witchcraft's deception, seduction, sorcery, and intimidation, knowing that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. I decree freedom from dark powers, Jezebel, false prophetic words, controllers, manipulators, soothsayers, sorcerers, witches, counterfeits, soul ties, spiritual folly, lying spirits, lying dreams, and visions. I repent of sin, both known and unknown, and submit myself thoroughly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his word. I clothe myself with God's armor and take up the weapons of my warfare that are not carnal but mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. I dedicate myself to the will of Jesus Christ. I repent of rebellion, pride, arrogance, spiritualism, control, manipulation, vain desires, and disrespecting the fivefold ministry gifts and my leaders. I renounce radical feminism and all of its related thinking 
and philosophies. I renounce and rebuke the voice of radical feminism in my thinking, in my education, in my marriage, and I repent from listening to its voice through television, movies, books, magazines, teachings, and other source. Lord, your word says, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I now address you, Jezebel, in the spiritual realm, and I declare that I recognize that cord of occultic powers between you and your seat in, and then you say the person's name that you think is affected by that spirit. I now take the sword of the spirit and I severe this cord of occultic powers in the almighty name of Jesus Christ. It is written in 2 Samuel 22, 32-37, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my, fort, God is my strong fortress. He guides the blameless in his way and sets them free. He makes me feel, uh, sorry, he makes me feet like the hinds. He makes my feet like the hinds. He sets me secure and confident upon the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation and your condensation, condescension, sorry, I was wondering, your condescension and gentleness have made me great. You have enlarged my steps under me so that my feet have not slipped. I now take the sword of the spirit and I severe this, sever. and I sever this cord. Sever, sever. sever means to cut. I know. I sever, sever this cord of compromise in the almighty name of Jesus. It is written in Acts 24, 14, but this I confess to you, however, that in accordance with the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, still persuaded of the truth of and believing in and placing full confidence in everything laid down in the law of Moses or written in the prophets. And he replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Ma right. Matthew chapter uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. And now I address you, Jezebel, in the spiritual realm, and I declare that I recognize that cord that cord of immorality, idolatry between you and your seat in, and then you name the person's name. I now take the sword of the spirit and I sever the, this cord of immorality in the almighty name of Jesus. It is written in Revelations 19, 7, 
Let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us celebrate and ascribe to him glory and honor. For the marriage of the Lamb at last has come, and his bride has prepared herself. I now address you, Jezebel, in the spiritual realm, and I declare that I recognize that cord of domination, intimidation, and manipulation between you and your seat in, and then say the person's name. I now take the sword of the spirit and I sever this cord of domination, intimidation, and manipulation in the almighty name of Jesus. It is written in John 10, 2-5, but he who endures, uh, sorry, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the door for this man, and the sheep listen to his voice and heed it. And he calls his own sheep by name and brings them out. When he has brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them, and the sheep follow. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize their call. I now address you, Jezebel, in the spiritual realm, and I declare that I recognize that cord of false religion between you and your seat in, and say the person's name. I now take the sword of the spirit and I sever this cord of false religion in the almighty name of Jesus. It is written in John 4, 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, I now declare a divorce with the spirit of Jezebel radical feminist thought, and all its related philosophies. A cancellation of all worship she ever received through me. My ancestors or descendants all the way four generations back. Nullification of any and every covenant ever made with her. Renunciation of the Ahab spirit. In the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I now take the seat in myself and hand it over to the kingdom of God. I decree cancellation of all ancestral and bloodline curses, hexes and vexes in my family line, my own and my descendants' lives, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, I now, I now bind and rebuke the spirit of Jezebel from my life. I speak destruction over the altars where the spirit of Jezebel received worship in my life. And I erect an altar there for God. It is written, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings.
So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and Israel's plague was stayed. Mm. 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-five. The stronghold in my life, where Jezebel has lived, is now destroyed, and a throne for Christ Jesus erected there. In the name of Jesus Christ, I now speak withering and death over all fruit of manipulation through the spirit of witchcraft in my life. Father, remove all leaven that caused me to walk under the control of the spirit from my habits of thinking, my will, emotions, and body. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I pray that the spirit of Elijah will rise up within me to expose the spirit of Jezebel in the body of Christ. I pray, Father, that the hearts of the fathers will be turned towards the children according to Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Jezebel, I come in the name of Jesus, the Lord of hosts. Flee to the isle of Chittim. You, Jezebel, will find no rest for you are defeated in Jesus' name. The smoke rises up to heaven as with Sodom and Gomorrah. You are defeated and your men are destroyed. You shall become a widow in one hour. You shall suffer loss of children. The Lord says he will toss you into a bed of, uh, into a bed and burn you with fire. I pour the blood of Jesus all over you, for it cleanses, purifies, and sets the captives free. I break and smash the power, manipulation, lies, denial, and deception caused by the spirit of Jezebel. I rebuke all spirits of false teaching and false prophecy connected to Jezebel. I pray that the wickedness of Jezebel be revealed to the whole world. I pray that all corruption, destruction, nakedness, and shame caused by Jezebel be exposed. I claim this victory through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of God. I rejoice with thanksgiving to God and triumph in his glory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus, that you said you would never leave me nor forsake me, even to the end of the age. In Jesus' mighty name, I seal this prayer by the blood of Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Amen. 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 So, as you could see, Elizabeth read very slowly because she wanted to make sure whoever's listening and needed deliverance from this wicked spirit was able to repeat word for word everything she was saying. So if you have said this prayer, wonderful. May God bless you. I know it's a powerful prayer. When said in faith, it's going to work for sure. If you listen to this broadcast and you were like, you know what? I'd like to fast this week and come back to this broadcast. You saw how Elizabeth read it slowly. Perfect to be repeated. 
slowly so that you can really say those words and mean them. It's mm-hmm. a powerful prayer. And uh, it, it was adapted from a, an online minister that I found. And I wanted to, sh- to, to give him credit. Uh, I, I cut parts of it. I, I wanted to adapt it to this broadcast. Jonas Clark, he's an author. He's a minister, great uh, deliverance minister. So Jonas Clark. Dot com. Yeah, JonasClark.com. So uh, I got the prayer. It was uh, from his website. And um I adapted it, like I said, for this broadcast. So uh, parts of it I, I shortened and everything. But uh, yeah, it's and, very thorough. It it really deals with mm-hmm. everything. It deals with with uh, people you might be struggling against who have this spirit, or maybe uh, you are struggling with the spirit yourself. So it deals with both uh, possibilities. And the, the what I like about this prayer, the importance of breaking the generational curses Absolutely. are there as well, yeah. so that it stops it. And doesn't continue into your lineage and your generation if you have daughters or even you know sons like we we really want to make sure that this is broken off absolutely and so what we're going to do is since we do have it on our google docs we'll just copy paste the prayer that i read that sebastian kind of adapted and we'll put the website uh to that minister if you want also other powerful uh resources for deliverance um for even knowledge about this um, very topic. You have Jennifer LeClaire Ministries that's uh, very knowledgeable about this spirit. Um, Ryan, Ryan Lestrange. Lestrange. Um, John and- Paul Jackson wrote a book. Uh, the late John Paul Jackson wrote a book yeah. about uh, the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, so it's like I said, it's kind of sad in a way that it's become so famous, so well known. It's mm-hmm. because we're struggling so much against it that there's so much that's been written. Uh, there's no lack of. Um, materials that can be found that uh, expose uh, or, or show you how to deal with this uh, wicked spirit. We hope that the broadcast, uh, the couple of broadcasts we did, number one, part one mm-hmm. and part two, have helped you to uh, to have victory over this wicked spirit, to walk in victory. Jesus Christ called us to walk in victory. And in freedom. And in yeah. freedom. And we are called to to, uh, to trample, to, to step all over the power of the enemy because the one who is in us is mightier than the one who is in the world. So, uh, so yeah, if, if it's if it's blessed, you share it. And um, uh, we, we, we hope that, that this does the work that this was intended to do. Uh, it was not an easy subject. It was uh, I had to put to put on the the mantle of Elijah myself as I was addressing certain issues tonight. But I was like, you know what? I need to be bold too. I need to talk about these things because we we ignore them, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. So yeah. we have to talk about these things. Yeah, and uh, more and more, you're going to see a lot of ministers talking about it because we know that in the spiritual realm, things in the the demonic realm have amped up quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, And, you know, the Lord has amped up, obviously, uh, angelic forces as well. But we have to be wiser and smarter in in learning this uh, spiritual warfare because they do come against us. And to think that, you know, they're not going to is kind of foolish because we are uh, living in a spiritual realm. So it's really important uh, to know how to fight against these entities that try to rob us of our purpose and try to 
uh, rob us of an, our anointings and, yeah. you know, basically try to control us in a, in a very negative way and uh, make us lose our path. You know, that's uh, a bit what I had experienced yeah. and uh, God had to literally pull me out for me to see clearly. And, and I was able to identify it only years later, but it doesn't matter. Now I'm able to identify it and know what I'm dealing with and know how to pray and how to talk to a person that might have that spirit and not, um, not uh, be in agreement. Very important no. to not be in agreement no. yeah. when they're trying to lure you in and or get react control in, of Or you. react in anger because the spirit yeah. feeds off of anger. Oh, and yeah. So uh, it, it, there's all kind of, and it's like there's so much that could be said. I mean, there's stuff we didn't even address. And we've been doing this. We've been going at it for one hour, almost two hours, mm -hmm. and an hour and, uh, and a half for the previous broadcast. So, yeah, so, so if, you, if you have any questions, um, you know, maybe you're dealing with something in particular, uh, you can write to us. You just can go to our website, thrivingonpurpose.com, yeah. and click the, the contact uh, button. Or if you're listening from uh, YouTube or Facebook, uh, where you can reach us on our Facebook at Thriving on Purpose. Just put in the search and find our page and you can uh, send us a message and we'll get back to you. And uh, if we can pray for you or help you in any way, we will. So be blessed. I hope that this really helped you. Be blessed and thrive on. See you next time.